Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Prime Minister, uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said earlier today that this war that's been forced upon Israel by a horrendous enemy would be uh, taken up by Israel. Citizens of Israel, he said, we are in the third day of this war. We are fighting for our home and for our existence. His comments came as Israel's military said it has taken re- taken, retaken control of all communities around Gaza uh, more than 48 hours after Hamas launched a surprise attack. Join me right now to talk about this, uh, what is a new, really new war in Israel. We've got uh, Dov Waxman. He holds the Rosalind and Arthur Gilbert Foundation Chair in Israel Studies at UCLA, where he also directs the UCLA uh, YNDS Nazarian Center for Israel Studies. He's the author of several books, including The Pursuit of Peace and the Crisis of Israeli Identity. Uh, Dov, good to have you with me. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Let me begin by saying uh, what might be obvious by now. Uh, was this attack timed to be uh, to the day, uh, uh, to the Yom Kippur War from 50 years ago? Yes, I think the uh, the timing of this attack, the, the fact that it took place just one day after Israel um, um, no, observed the 50th anniversary of the outbreak of the Yom Kippur War was not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that uh, in choosing that that specific day, uh, Hamas was sending a, a particular message, knowing that that uh, how traumatic the 1973 war was, um, and so I'm sure the timing isn't coincidental. And so, the, what would be the message uh, that war was horrendous? Israel took quite a hit. Uh, is there something more that they're saying in the timing? Yes, I think the well, there's a there's a couple of messages that that, that they as they seem to be delivering. Uh, first of all, um, that uh, the status quo um, as they see it is unacceptable, just as the status quo uh, was for Egypt and Syria uh, prior to the outbreak of the 1973 war, when Israel controlled the Sinai Peninsula, which it had captured in the 1967 war, and the Golan Heights. Um, Egypt and Syria went to war in 1973, um, at least Egypt did, uh, to um, really to force Israel to the negotiating table, but to make it clear that uh, for all of Israel's military strength, even though that Israel was much stronger militarily than the Arab uh, sides than Egypt and Syria, that wouldn't deter them, that they were still willing to go to war and that they could still inflict uh, pain on Israel. And in, in that respect, I think Hamas is, is delivering a similar message that despite mm-hmm. Israel's military strength and despite its uh, growing relationship with countries in the Arab world, Hamas has the ability and the willingness to inflict uh, great pain on Israel. And of course, the other uh, message I think here is that they have the ability to surprise Israelis, that this is something um, that um, was not expected, just as the attack by Egypt and Syria in, in October 1973 wasn't expected, uh, was a shock to Israelis. So um, Hamas had delivered another shock, in fact, a much greater shock even than in 1973 to Israelis. And I think so in that sense, there, there's a kind of a psychological element to this, a kind of psychological warfare, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, as well. well. Let me ask a question related to this. Uh, it's reported that Hamas is also threatening to begin executing Israeli hostages taken in Saturday's attack uh, from the Gaza Strip, and that uh, they plan to broadcast these ex- executions. Uh, a spokesman from the uh, Al-Qassam Brigades, a branch of Hamas, warned in an interview with Al Jazeera that the group would begin killing one hostage 
for each Israeli airstrike that lands in Gaza without forewarning. Um, is, is that believable? Sadly, it is believable. Now, I wouldn't have thought um, maybe a week ago that it was believable. I wouldn't have thought that Hamas would stoop to such depth. Um, You know, in the past now, certainly, you know, we shouldn't kind of uh, sanctify Hamas. They're a brutal terrorist organization. They've been responsible for the deaths of of many innocent civilians. Um, But I, I, I think, you know, we in the past, one wouldn't have thought they would have executed hostages you know they, they held for example the israeli soldier gilad Shalit captive for many years uh, but uh, didn't uh, didn't execute him or torture him um whereas um this kind of a threat this is this is something that one would expect from an organization like al-qaeda right. or uh, isis right and in fact that is what isis and al-qaeda have done um, and, you know, uh, analysts generally distinguish between uh, all groups like Hamas, which though are willing to, they're willing to use terrorism, um, have some restraints on their use of violence, or at least we thought they had some restraints on their use of violence. They're willing to use violence against civilians, but not to the same extent and not in the same savage manner. Uh, and shocking manner that, say, Al-Qaeda and Islamic State have done. But, you know, what Hamas did on on Saturday, massacring Israeli civilians in large numbers, slaughtering them and shooting them at close range, that's, that's much closer to the kinds of violence perpetrated by groups like Al-Qaeda and particularly Islamic State. And, and this threat is, is also in, on a par with that. So um, I think it's really very, very worrying. It's clearly, um, you know, a extra- clearly what Hamas are doing, they're hoping to use the uh, Israeli hostages basically as human shields um, and also to use them as bargaining chips in order to try to uh, obtain the release of Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails. Mm-hmm. For pe- we, we shouldn't forget here we're talking about uh, not just Israeli soldiers who have been who are held captive in Gaza Strip, but uh, women and children yeah, and yeah. the elderly. Yeah, no, very important point. Uh, for people who you know, aren't, don't follow what's going on in Israel very carefully, they may wonder, what's the relationship between Hamas and the PLO? Well, Hamas is not a member of the PLO. The PLO uh, is the official organization that represents the Palestinians as a, as, as a whole, the Palestinian nation as a whole. And the PLO um, represents Palestinians all around the world, not just those in the West Bank and Gaza Strip or, in, or inside Israel. Um, but the PLO has really kind of been eclipsed in, in, in some respects in recent years by the Palestinian Authority. Now, both the Palestinian Authority based in the West Bank, headed by President Abbas. President Abbas is also the chairman of the PLO. So there's some confusion there between the Palestinian Authority and the PLO. But Hamas is not a member of the PLO. Mm-hmm. Hamas would like to join the PLO. But um, in fact, you know, there's no love lost between Hamas and the PLO and certainly between Hamas and the organization that dominates the PLO, which is Fatah, which is Hamas's political rival. Very good. Uh, People are asking about the role of Iran in this. Does Hamas receive ongoing support from Iran? Yes. um, Iran has long provided both uh, financial support as well as uh, military support, weapons uh, and training and logistical support to Hamas. Um, and it's very likely that uh, Iran 
would have uh, approved of this operation um, and certainly has expressed support for it. But that doesn't mean that we should jump to the conclusion that Iran instigated this operation uh, or see that or, or assume that it, that Hamas is simply acting on Iran's orders. There's some speculation about that, but I don't think as yet there's any clarity. Israel has officially said they don't think Iran was involved directly in, in carrying okay. out uh, the attack. Um, and, and the U.S. government as well so far. So um, it's, Iran has certainly has some involvement because it does support Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is also involved in this and also holds Israelis captives. But I don't necessarily think we should jump to the conclusion and we have to be very careful before doing, before reaching that conclusion because if Iran is directly involved, then the risks of, of actually conflict between Israel and Iran are likely to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, So it's a very, very delicate situation right now. Is anybody speculating on the, the role that the recent... Uh, intended rapprochement between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Did that play any role in Hamas's attack? Yes, that certainly seems also to have factored into the timing of Hamas's attack. I mean, um, you know, on the one hand, I don't think we should see a direct response to what the kind of increased uh, U.S. diplomatic efforts in, in, in recent weeks to broker a deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia because this attack by Hamas was, was months in the planning. Uh, this is something that they must have been planning for quite a long time. The level of uh, coordination uh, of this required months of planning. But, it's, but I think it is very likely that uh, the timing of when this attack took place was partly linked to that because uh, normalization between Israel and, and, uh, and Saudi Arabia isn't just a threat to Iran, which is why Iran would have approved of this attack as a way to disrail the attempt to produce this uh, agreement, um, because obviously Iran doesn't want to see any sort of uh, uh, growing relationship between Israel and Saudi Arabia, but it was also a threat to Hamas as well, and Hamas would have, see, would have risked seeing this as a threat to its own interests, and so I'm sure um, trying to prevent that agreement from taking place, if in fact it could have happened, we won't know, you know, was part of Hamas's agenda, and they may well have succeeded in that respect. Uh- does the Biden administration um, have a plan to deal with this? Were they in any way complicit in this? Uh, were there failures of intelligence and military readiness on both, uh, well, on Israel's well, part? Go ahead. It, yeah. it, it, it's, too, it's too soon to know what was known by intelligence agencies okay. and whether there was any intelligence information uh, available pointing to the possibility of an attack. Uh, we will find out, no doubt, uh, in in the in the months uh, to come. Um, but it does seem, at least, that the Biden administration uh, focus, you know, on trying to uh, produce an agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia um, dis- may may have distracted them a little bit, or brought, took their attention away from addressing the growing violence inside the West Bank and at the Gaza, at the border with Israel. Um, and that in trying to get, you know, this kind of holy grail of this agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia, that they didn't put as much attention as they needed to on the situation inside the West Bank. Mm. That, I think, is clear. 
um, and, and the situation in Gaza. And more broadly, um, you know, since the war of May 2021, we've known that this situation between Israel and Hamas can escalate at any time, that it's a fragile situation, that allowing uh, 2 million or so uh, Palestinian civilians to live under blockade for so long uh, is a uh, very combustible situation. And the Biden administration, like its predecessors, really didn't do anything to address uh, that, that the problem of, of, of the suffering of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. One, about 15 seconds. Will this mean the end of Likud's influence, uh, just like in 73 it meant the end of Labour's influence? I think it's going to be a very, very serious political blow to the Likud and, and especially to Prime Minister Netanyahu. Okay. And more than anybody else, I think his political standing is going to be seriously Dov, thank you so much.